Bob Ney is a political analyst for the Talk Radio News Service. You hear him on my program often at the end of the first hour for just a few minutes, wait, two to five minutes, uh, from our nation's capital live. But if his name sounds familiar, from 1995 to 2006, 11 years, Bob was a congressman. He was congressman of the 18th District of Ohio, and as a matter of fact, he was a Republican. I believe he's still a Republican. We'll ask him. Uh, But he's more moderate. But one of the things I like about Bob, author of Sideswiped, Lessons Learned Courtesy of the Hitmen of Capitol Hill, it can be found on Amazon, is he has a – he's just a plethora of information from personal experience because he lives in D.C., and now he does political analysis uh, for the news and politics, but he was a congressman, and he was a Republican. And with Republicans in the majority in the House and the Senate, he definitely has a lot of information and a heck of a lot of background with Iran. Wait till you hear. I said, I think, last week on one of the shows when Bob was uh, giving us this analysis from uh, our nation's capital and TRNS at the end of the first hour, hey, Bob, we got to get you on for a full hour. Would you like that? He goes, sure. And then we sent him an email, and I said, let's get him on today so you don't get far away from this issue of the 24 and that very embarrassing letter. Uh, Bob, thank you for joining us. Bob Nay, live from our nation's capital with Talk Radio News Service, former congressman uh, from the 18th District of the great state of Ohio. Hey, Bob. Thank you. How are you? Oh, good, 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 good to good to have you, uh, uh, good to have you uh, with us, Bob. You mentioned very briefly when I touched upon this with you when you were reporting as a political analyst last week, and we can spend more time on it now that we have you for the full hour till uh, the MTRNS comes on. Um, you wrote a chapter in your book, Sideswiped, um, called "MEK Terrorist Against Us," and in that chapter, you detailed the Iranian terror group. And you even told that that group paid Rudy Giuliani about $100,000. And you talk about this group that has tried with neocon support to undermine President Barack Obama. So two things. One, give the folks a flavor of how well you know Iran. You've lived in Iran, correct? And, uh, and worked with Iran. And um, also about this neocon support trying to undermine the president on this very issue of striking a deal with Iran and – uh, removing uh, sanctions. And by the way, didn't we do something like this with Reagan? I mean, not the same, but you know what I mean? It was it was Iran, wasn't it? When uh, Ronald Reagan went around Congress uh, years ago? Go ahead, Bob. Yes. Yes, Leslie, I uh, lived in Iran. Uh, my sister took in a child years back. I learned Farsi, and then I eventually went to Iran and lived there and worked for the Iran America Society. So I actually lived in the country in 1978 when the revolution started up and then left due to the fact that our school was under siege and it was time, you know, obviously to get out of the country. Then I, uh, you know, stayed on peripheral edge of Iran for years. Not much happened. And I got into Congress and uh, became very involved with the Iranian issue and then ran into the group called the MEK, the Mujahideen Cult. And they were headed up by Maryam Rajavi, who is in Paris. And if People Google Maryam Rajavi, R-A-G-R-A-J-A-V-I. They'll see where they were raided uh, in Paris. There was six million some cash found. I mean, there's a whole history of them. But this M-E-K, Mojahedin Kalk, they are the group, and in America they're called the National Council of Resistance. They're the group that actually took our hostages. This is the group that actually took it, uh, took them. Uh, without the permission of the Ayatollah Khomeini at the time, then he went along with it. So they go back. They're a Marxist group. They were responsible for the assassination of Americans in America. This is all documented if you Google the MEK. 
And, uh, but they became very prominent on Capitol Hill. And in, in my chapter in my book, Sideswipe, I, I, play, I tell in there, Leslie, how, the, how I did meet with them, and we all signed letters for them because the theory was, well, they were reformed, and after all, they're an enemy of Iran. They were really sent around the hill, though, and backed by the neocon element. At that time, of course, Newt Gingrich had became speaker. I was one of the contract with America class, and uh, the MEK was in full force on the hill. And then uh, we started to find out that the MEK uh, were not good people. Uh, they were a group that uh, was on the terrorist list, and I started to separate myself, and it ended up Frankly, there were just a few people supporting them by the time I left Congress. I think over 190 members got off of letters that were out there supporting them, and they were, again, classified as terrorists. Then uh, Rudy Giuliani spearheaded a lot of effort. I think he was paid about $100,000. He went to Paris and uh, supported Maryam Rajavi. They had this whole deal where they would uh, have people come and you know support them, etc. So... The MEK uh, now, their national spokesman is Ali Reza Jafarzadi. He may be familiar to some. He is an official Fox News correspondent and uh, also heads up the National Council of Resistance, which now, by the way, due to a massive multi-million dollar lobby effort, is an official group now in America. Um, so that's the story of the MEK. They're, they're comparable to Ahmed Chalabi, who was the Iraqi that fed us all the information and got us into the war in Iraq. Uh, you know what? We, uh, we're we going to be taking a break in just a moment, and I, I was just going to bring that up. You're talking about uh, Ahmed uh, uh, Chalabi. You also talk about how that this there's a, a relentless, a, a relentless uh, a campaign to stop the talks with Iran. And, and why is this? Is this just about Israel? Is this just about our ally, Israel? Oh, no. The, the Saudis are so fearful that Iran becomes an economic power, and Saudi Arabia is behind a lot of this. I mean, you could have had the king of Saudi Arabia come to the, to the podium at the Congress last week. This is a concerted effort, but there's other bigger pictures behind this, too. You have the, Dick Cheney, who, and people don't even realize this, his daughter, Elizabeth, she was head of the Iran desk in the State Department. Think about that. The vice president's daughter was head of the Iran desk. Cheney wanted to uh, go to war with Iran as he did Iraq. That was his goal. The whole neocon war element, the industrial complex, the war machines, the arms dealers, they're all in the same pot. And then you've got groups like the MEK, you know, fostering this. They were in Iraq with Saddam Hussein. I mean, it was this one big network. And I don't want to overplay the, the MEK's power, but, they, you know, again, they're part of this. But it's the Right. Uh, Bob, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll let you finish that, and we're going to talk about this letter. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's former Congressman Bob Ney, and he's now a political analyst with Talk Radio News Service. We are back. Happy Monday. He's back as well. Former Congressman Bob Ney, live from our nation's capital. He talks to us and will at the end of this hour as well with Talk Radio News Service. But today he joins us as a guest, author of the book Sideswipe, Lessons Learned, courtesy of the hitman of Capitol Hill. The website for TRNS is talkradionewsservice.com, and you can follow Bob on Twitter, at Bob Ney. He does political analysts for TRNS, well, analysis, excuse me, but he was a former congressman of the 18th District of Ohio for 11 years back in 95. Uh, Bob, thanks for holding, and welcome back. Um, first of all, we had briefly talked about last week 
how this letter by the 24 Republicans was unprecedented. When you first heard about this, were you shocked? And honestly, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. Would this have happened, Bob, if President Obama were white? Be honest with me. Is this a race thing or is this just they just hate this guy in this deal thing or a bit of both? I'm starting to, I mean, that's a great question. I just think they hate him uh, in an unprecedented hatred. I mean, it could be the fact that he's black. I mean, they just, they can't stand him. And and they go to any length. I mean, they're they're making themselves look so foolish. The length they go to to get the president is obvious. This would be the, the same comparison if, in fact, uh, the Democratic side would have had, you know, uh, let's say the president of France during the Iraq debate come to the floor of the of the House. There would have been an absolute outrage over it. But to take this unusual step, and and you know how. One knows that this is is unusual is because these senators, including John McCain, are backtracking so bad. I mean, McCain was one of the worst. Why well, sign a lot of these? He said they got in trouble over this. No, no, they, they don't they, sign. They, and let's talk about that. He when McCain said he signs a lot of these, there are there are none of these, correct? That's right. This is not National Post Office Day where members sign, you know, a bunch of trivial things. He knew what he was doing. Now, Senator Corker, the Republican head of the Foreign Relations Committee, he not only wouldn't sign it, he he put a warning to Netanyahu because Corker found out that Netanyahu was having uh, information blocked from United States senators where the Mossad, the secret, uh, you know, comparable to our CIA uh, of Israel, was actually saying this would hurt negotiations, Mossad itself. And Netanyahu tried to block that, and Senator Corker stepped in. So you had people, at least like Senator Corker, saying this is, this is outrageous. And this is unprecedented, really, in American history. Now, they can say that Nancy Pelosi met with Saddam Hussein. Well, Rumsfeld met with, I mean, Nancy Pelosi met with Assad. Rumsfeld met with Saddam Hussein. A meeting with an official, whether it's Castro or somebody we, doesn't, we don't like, is a completely different story than if they went over there and said, by the way, sabotage our president. They didn't do that. They just had meetings. These individuals wanted to sabotage the president of the United States, and ironically, they dealt with the most conservative hardliner Ayatollah, who doesn't want an Iranian deal, who's fighting his own negotiator and fighting the Iranian moderates, because they want to be able to do what they want to do. So these 47 aided and abetted. They might as well have just went and directly met with ISIS, for example. It's the same type of thing. They met with somebody that's completely contrary to our interests. And the, and these Ayatollahs, would they don't mind a war as much as, you know, maybe some of these neocons don't mind a war. So it's just really, when I saw it, I, I just, I, I honestly couldn't believe that anybody would stoop this low. They, they must absolutely have a hatred for President Obama beyond anything I, I can imagine. And this is beyond a hatred that they had for President Clinton, which we never saw before. <laughs> yeah, right? This popped everything. Uh, Tom Cotton is a is a newbie. It, it, are you surprised that you have so many lemmings, if you will, following, for all intents and purposes, a kid on the Hill? Oh, I think they picked him because you know, Senator Corker is not even on the letter. And I don't think any of the ones that had at least uh, 20% of their brain left, frankly, Leslie, wanted on that letter. I think they sat and said, who's the dummy we can pick? 
and they picked Senator Cotton. I mean, after all, this guy yesterday said, well, the Iranians control Tehran. Oh, what, really? That's like saying Washington, D.C. is in America. Of course they control Tehran. You know, the guy is not the brightest light bulb in the pack. He also did, as a, as a House member, did a resolution that would have made great-grandchildren of somebody who violated the Iran Sanctions Act liable to go to prison for 20 years. They're great-grandchildren. So this guy's a tool for the industrial complex. You know, and, and it sounds like a bit racist uh, or prejudiced against Iranians. Oh, I, well, I, th- I believe so. I mean, to say that somebody's great-grandchildren would go to prison. And he also, within 24 hours of this, and this is about money, he went to a private, off-the-record, non-reportable meeting with all the big, uh, we'll call them arms dealers, all the defense people that sell the weaponry. He was it, it, he was in their their little meeting. When, when, but, when, Cotton, uh, when Cotton has said, I mean, because, you know, Cotton says he has absolutely no regrets, and he said, on uh, CBS Face the Nation over the weekend, quote, in fact, if the president and the secretary of state were intent on driving a hard bargain, they would be able to point to this letter and say, they're right, any lasting deal needs to be approved by Congress. It's so important we communicated this message straight to Iran. How does he deliver that with a straight face without laughing? Iran knows the government of the United States longer than Cotton's been alive. I think they know it better than Cotton knows it. And, you know, this was not, it's like Rand Paul, even Rand Paul, who's supposed to always, you know, here's my position and like it or leave it. And and, and also because Iran, during the Reagan administration, knows that, you know, they went around Congress. And that that was a different situation because you released hostages. You can't really renege that deal. The hostages are released. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they, uh, you know, Rand Paul... Uh, said, well, they were just trying to help the president. Well, no, they aren't. And I think, one, they know this is the greatest foreign policy initiative in, in three decades by President Obama. Nobody else could achieve trying to stop Iran. President Obama is the first person that's ever done that. Bush rejected a secret agreement, which I was involved with at the time, that would have actually curtailed the Iranian program, and then Cheney fought it and wouldn't let it happen. So President Obama sees that. I think they, they hate to give him a win, but I think it goes deeper than that. I, you know, this whole thing, nobody likes to say this out, well, some people say it out front, but, you know, this whole thing that President Obama was born in Kenya, and, you know, he's a Muslim, well, he can be any religion he would want to be if he was a Muslim, so what, but, you know, all of these inferences here, and it goes towards racial lines. Yes, I do believe there are certain people that, that it, this is racially motivated, and the other part of it is just pure hate. I mean, no one, but no one does what they have done to, to the president. I, I, it's just, it is so unprecedented, and they know it. And that's why Senator Corker never went on it, the head of the Foreign Relations Committee. I think they picked Cotton because he's one of the few that they thought, okay, yeah, let's pick Cotton, he'll do it. He's, he, uh, it reminds me of that commercial, you know, let Mikey try it, he'll eat anything. He'll try Mikey, Mikey will eat it. Yeah. Right. Um, are there Republicans, because you're in D.C., and as a former congressman, you're, you've got some peeps in the party that still talk to you, I would imagine, right? Yes. All right. Are there people saying to you behind closed doors, and you don't have to name people because these are friendships, this was a bad deal, or, oh, such and such is regretting it, or we look like asses, thank God it's not close to an election? I mean, are you hearing any of that? Oh, absolutely, including my uh, home state of Ohio, Senator Portman, who you know they really really the the uh, Ted Strickland who's going who's running hasn't pressed him in fact we, 
we had a little conversation, a few of us, about that the other night. A Republican consultant sat there and said, if I was Ted Strickland, I would press Portman to the wall for this foolishness. So even the consultants are bracing themselves. And these senators have started to drop off uh, like, like flies. But sure, uh, I, I've heard talk in the last few days. I, I've, I, went, I would go back to uh, John Boehner when he invited Netanyahu. As, as a lot of friends of mine told me on the Republican side, it was okay to invite Netanyahu, just go the regular way. Boehner just had to make it so drastic, so behind the president's back. And he just had to be so, you know, out front aggressive about it. Boehner actually hurt Netanyahu. And I argue that if Netanyahu, we have a reporter in Jerusalem from talk radio, if Netanyahu loses tomorrow, Boehner has some responsibility in bringing down a prime minister because uh, this didn't go down well, this visit. So it's just a very aggressive stance, but not in this case, Leslie, not just against the president and the policy. This, is really, this was really against America. There's nothing wrong with our president talking to someone, especially trying to stop a nuclear advancement, which is what he's trying to do, but to go directly and deal, and of all people, to deal with the Ayatollahs that want a nuclear Iran, Right. It just goes. Be, it, I don't even know if, if if treasonous is a is even a proper word. Now, now when we look at how many when we look at how many people, there were twenty four, not all. <laughs> right, twenty four was every Republican approached, and about half said no, thank you. Well, forty seven uh, actually signed, but there were there were ones that didn't, and now there were ones that are you know backtracking off of the uh, off of the letter. You know, that they don't want to, uh, that it was a mistake. Well, then, uh, then, then forgive, forgive the ignorance here. Then why do we all have the idea that 24 of them sent the letter when 47 of them signed it? Now, where, where was the 24 coming from? 20, maybe I'm screwing up my numbers. This is what happens when you don't have enough coffee out of Monday. So, so the bottom line, let's talk about some of the people backing off it and why. Do you think that their constituents are giving them a call going, what the hell are you doing? I think the average person, uh, you know, the average American, and even and if you look at the statistics right now, even 57% of the Republicans were starting because of, of this, uh, the way that Netanyahu was invited. Even 57% of some of the Republicans were saying, wow, you know, maybe they'll even remain neutral on uh, between Israel and Palestinian issues. It, it was getting that bad. Um, because it was just so direct and so around the system and so uncalled for. You know, it's not the issue of Netanyahu or Israel. It's the issue of how it was done over here in, in America. And with these senators on there, they just started to hear from constituents who were the average constituents, some of them independents. And, and friends of mine in the Congress told me that these a lot of calls that were coming in were from Republicans and independents saying, how outrageous can you be? You know, how can you do this? And even people, they said some of the people called and said they don't even like President Obama, but they thought it was outrageous. So when you start to hear that and you get massive amounts of calls and emails, you know, they got scared about it. Uh, let's talk about Secretary of State John Kerry. I mean, he is really angry, and I think rightly so about this. He criticized the Senate Republicans, that recent letter to the Iranian leaders. He said that it contained, quote, not only false information, but that it was, quote, directly calculated to interfere. Uh, speak to both of those. Did this, uh, uh, you know, obtain, uh, you know, contain false information? There are people out there, we even have a tweet, where is it? Because I have so many people, uh, you know, tweeting over and over. 
um, that say, you know, th- this is there's no false information, right? Um, you know, Bob says easy, you know, not you, but another Bob tweeting, what false information is there? It's easy to make statements without objective evidence. Um, and, and, you know, the list goes on. There are a lot of people that feel that, well, this this is accurate. Um, but is it? I mean, is there misinformation here? Is Secretary of State Kerry accurate? Oh, Secretary of State is accurate. In fact, Javid Zarif, who's the negotiator for the Iranian side, he put out a, a letter back, and and he actually uh, pointed out where, in fact, that the, the, the uh, senator's letter was so full of falsehoods. He pointed it out because there is no grand bargain. Uh, there is nothing that comes back that actually has the approval of the Congress. It's not a treaty. Now, there would be a vote eventually on sanctions, but there's U.N. sanctions and U.S. sanctions. But they were trying to say, make it sound as if to the Iranian ayatollahs, make it sound as if, look, whatever the president negotiates, we we basically have a sign-off on it or a vote on it, and they don't. And Zarif, the, the Iranian negotiator, pointed that out. So Secretary of State Kerry is correct. You know, there was no grand bargain. These are these are even these are simply talks. Plus, the letter is saying to the Ayatollahs, you know, this is agreement is not going to work because it can be changed within two years. They didn't. The senators didn't even know what was going to be agreed upon. There is no bargain as we speak. So they were writing a letter to a hypothetical situation. Sure, they were. They just wanted to kill the deal, and they knew that. Uh, I, ju- uh, I got to tell you, very uh, funny on Facebook. Somebody just sent me this, and it shows the Korea, uh, the leader of North Korea, that says, "I just got a letter. Who the hell is Tom Cotton?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? But we shouldn't be laughing. I mean, that's funny. Okay, that is funny. Right, right. But we shouldn't be laughing at our own politicians. I mean, this is a country that was referred to, especially by the right wing, the Republicans, as you know, one of the three axes of evil. Um, I I just, I I can't, you know, understand. It just baffles my mind. You know, this is one of those, they wrote and sent and signed, they wrote and signed and sent uh, before they thought clearly, right? I mean, you don't think they thought this through, do you? No. I mean, the letter itself is, it's an idiot, it's an idiotic letter. It really is. They say to the Iranians, you know, by the way, it's come to our attention while observing the nuclear negotiations with our government, you may not fully understand our constitutional system. You know, oh, it came to their attention. Did they hear about it in the newspapers? I mean, it, and, they, and then they say the Iranians, you know, you don't understand our system. Well, Javid Zarif understands English and our system better than anybody practically in this country. He was partially educated here. I mean, it's almost a patronizing letter in a sense. But the bottom line is, contrary to that letter, Congress has no legal or constitutional role in drafting, modifying, role, approval role, anything of this deal.